This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. After a day off. Didn't really know what to do with ourselves. We all celebrated President's Day around here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We are back. Full throttle. Ready to go. Coming off the heels of the JT The Brick Show, this unnecessary roughness in your ear hole. Demon Cotton behind the wheels of steel, your boy Q. And we are going to go, as I mentioned, full throttle, dip your head into a tank of gasoline, light it up with a match, and boom, watch it go. Uh, this is a fun time of year. We start talking free agency. We start talking draft. The Combine's right around the corner. actually just found out we got approved for our Combine uh, credentials. I don't know if any of us are going to make it. I think Vinny will be there for sure. But uh, given the circumstances and some people being on vacation, don't know if I'll be able to make that trip out to India as planned. But that's okay. We did get approved, and at least Vinny Bonsignor, at the very least, will be out there representing for us uh, at, at Indy at the Combine. And so that means that the draft is right around the corner. So there is no offseason when it comes to the NFL. That's the beautiful thing about this sport. That's why it's number one. It went from... Being a you know sixteen week or seventeen week season, to okay, well there's some conversations in the preseason, there's some conversation in training camp too. It never stops. NFL literally never stops. It is 365 days a week. It's just simple as that. Days a year, there'd be a lot of days in the week if it was 365. That wouldn't be the week I want to go. <laughs> I don't want that work week. <laughs> but you know, it's it's all year long, and that's why we love the sport. And so we have a lot to get to coming up on today's show, and we're going to come right out the gate swinging. We got Joe DeLeon. He's uh, from the Believe Podcast Network. He actually was a long snapper back in the day at, in in, uh, in Rhode Island. So we're going to talk to him about uh, the, the combine, get a little bit of a preview of the combine before the combine gets started, who we should be t- paying attention to, who it benefits the most. And what we're going to do here is we're going to actually do a series of of combine slash draft talk today, tomorrow, and uh, and and Friday. Today's Tuesday, right? I always yes, it is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Sorry, so Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Man, my days get so messed up when we have a day off. We have absolutely no idea what day it is. It's it's incredible. I'm telling you, all day yesterday, I sat around the house thinking something was wrong. I was like, man, what is wrong with me? I have I just my whole routine is thrown off. So today acted like Monday for us around here at the radio station. So you can imagine it's been super hectic. But Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we're going to do a series of guests that we're going to have on the show. I believe we'll have them on at 2.30, except for today we're going to have Joe on at 2.10 to talk about the combine. But we're going to do these draft conversations each and every day. So we may talk like quarterbacks and running backs today. We might talk wide receivers tomorrow. We might talk defensive players. So we won't have to rush anything. You know what I mean? We don't have to just scatter shoot as we get some guests on and we try to hit everything with one. We're going to be able to spread it out. So we're going to have three days worth of draft conversation this week. That's coming up guaranteed. So Joe DeLeon is going to join us at 210 in a matter of minutes, matter of fact, to break down the scouting combine. And then at 230, Brian Diardo from CBSSports.com, he put out a really good piece about Cliff Branch going into the Hall of Fame and John Madden and what those two mean together. And did you know, and I didn't realize this until I read the piece over the weekend, with Cliff Branch going in, that is seven players from that 1974 Raiders team. And by the way, they didn't win a championship. Seven offensive players from that, that team in 74 under coach John Madden are going into the Hall of Fame. That is a record. 
That is an all-time record for the Hall of Fame. So that is something to brag about right there if you're the silver and black, if you're uh, you know anybody who was on that Coach Madden team, led team, and, uh, of course, Cliff Branch, the late, great Cliff Branch. But we'll talk to Brian about that and really the impact of that, what that really means, because the previous record was six held by the Green Bay Packers, and now the, the Raiders have the record at seven. So I think that that's uh, pretty stinking cool. So we'll talk to Brian at 2.30 about that piece that he put out on CBSSports.com. And then, of course, on Tuesdays, we always have the great John McClain from the Houston Chronicle talking all things NFL, and there's a lot of storylines, right? Going along in the NFL right now, we uh, we had the drama-filled uh, Aaron Rodgers tweets and Instagram and pictures that were put out last night. And it's so funny because people are like, oh, who cares? Q, I don't care. Oh, he's a diva. He's this, that, and the other. Look, man, it's the storyline, it's the offseason, and it's Aaron Rodgers. So we'd be not doing our job if we didn't pay attention to it. Back-to-back MVP, if he retires, it's a big deal. Right, exactly. And most, and a lot of people hit me up and were like, he's not retiring. He's just trying to get some attention. And I didn't disagree with them. I said, you're probably right. But if we ignore it, then it's like, how are you not covering this? How are you not on? T-? See, that's the problem about the offseason. There's so many storylines going on, especially this offseason. Well, it's actually every offseason, but this story, this this season, we know that there's a lot of quarterback conversation. So when one of them comes out and starts making some noise like that, regardless if it's real or just him trolling everybody, unfortunately, we have to pay attention. Especially when he has a scheduled interview earlier in the day, like on the Pat McAfee show. Right. He sits down with Pat McAfee and is like, yeah, Pat, I've been loving coming on here every week, but I'm retiring today. That would be news. I feel like every sports show in America would have to cover that. No, I mean it. It, it would be no doubt about it. You know, but he we didn't. we already had plans just in case he did. We already I had guys on speed dial like, hey, just in case this happens, we got to have you on the show. And so, I mean, kind of what it is, man. We got to stay on the edge of our toes. I'll tell you right now, given the fact that we didn't have a show yesterday, all night last night, and I hate this about myself, I was laying in bed and all I could think about last night while I was trying to sleep was the show. And okay, we're going to do this. And what about this? And what about that? And I put out my podcast at a certain time. And I was like, well, what happens if something changes in between now and the time I'm supposed to go to sleep and the time I wake up? You know what I mean? Like there were so many things that were racing through my head last night. It really made me angry because I even woke up this morning and I had more energy than I should have, you know, because it was like, it was almost like that anxious, that anxious feeling. That's what happens when you have days off. That's why I say how we shouldn't have days off. Can you tell me what one of the things that you thought, what was in the realm of possibility that could have happened, that could have changed, like the podcast is no good now. Well, it's not that it was no good. I just thought that there could be updates. You know what I mean? And I remember talking on the podcast about, hey, we might hear something about Aaron Rodgers or we might hear something. And I thought, what's the chances of Aaron Rodgers dropping something in the middle of the night? But then again, you never know. It's just how it is. And and you know what's worse? I'll tell you the worst time of year is free agency. Free agency, when it actually opens up, you can literally go to bed at midnight and you can wake up at five and like five guys could have signed and they would have been big deals. I remember when the Raiders were talk, were in conversation with Le'Veon Bell, and who else were they in conversation with? It was someone else that they were in conversation with, and I remember doing the podcast, and I think I wrapped it up about 11.45 that night, and I was about to release it about 12.15, and I kept thinking, that damn Le'Veon Bell might sign any minute now, and then all of a sudden the podcast is going to be old because I'm talking about the conversation of what if. And so that's what happens in free agency, man. You really got to keep your head on a swivel. You got to keep your, your – your, you got to just stay on your toes at all times. And so it's just – it's it's not easy. It's fun. It's why we do this. It's what we sign up for. But man, sometimes it gets a little bit sticky. And of course, uh, there's a lot to going on. And, and you mentioned going on Pat McAfee's show. And just to update everyone, Aaron Rodgers said there's no news to update today. <laughs> After all that, there's no news to update today. I'll tell you right now, I feel like the statements that he put out or the tweets and pictures he put out uh, on yesterday was was really ones that were saying goodbye. And I don't know if he means retire or leave the Packers, but I feel like 
he's saying goodbye one way or the other. So we'll see what ends up happening. He'll release it on his own time. But I do think at and some point. And the GM point, has like a, me, a press conference scheduled for tomorrow. tomorrow. Right. I thought it was all going to line up. I thought it was all going to tie together. And it still might. It still might. He said there was nothing to announce today. That don't mean there ain't nothing to announce tomorrow. That's the beauty of it. We just don't know. Right? So he knows what he's doing. But I'll tell you this. The one thing I thought, even though I felt like retirement is a possibility, I, I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers retiring the same time as Tom Brady and being eligible for the Hall of Fame at the same time. I just can't imagine that because then he would be upshadowed or, uh, or overshadowed, excuse me, by Tom Brady in Canton, Ohio. Real quick, you know what I was thinking? Because he started off, he apologized to what seems like his ex-fiance. Now the reports oh, are they broken up. Right. I was thinking maybe he like, baby, please, I'll leave the game. <laughs> just take me back. Take you back. Take you back. I was like, yo, what if he's desperate? That's Re- well, yeah, who knows? <laughs> that that storyline will continue. And, of course, we'll talk more NFL news with John McClain at 3 o'clock and then also cover three uh, coming up right after that around 3.15. But right now it's time to jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And kicking off the opening drive, we have our first guest of the show today, Joe DeLeon. He's the host of uh, Believe, the Believe Podcast Network, NFCS football and NFL draft prospects, former Rhode Island long snapper. And so, Joe, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Before we get started on the combine, I got to ask about being a long snapper because for the Raiders, they have Trent Sieg, and he's a really good long snapper. You normally don't know the name of the long snapper unless they're really good or they're really bad. How much pressure is there when you are that long snapper? The one thing I'll say is when you get up to the the NFL level and the the college level, it's so routine that the pressure, it's not there. But the thing that really, like you're saying, you don't get to know the name of the snapper unless he messes up. The thing that we see with a lot of these guys that make it to the next level is that when they do mess up, the pressure then gets a lot higher because you have to recover from that mistake. But most of these guys are so used to it, it's like another day in the office. You don't want to be that guy, like you said, though, that everyone starts talking about your name. Right, exactly. And I feel like the I feel like the special teams unit, the long snapper, the holder, the kicker, it's almost like the offensive line. Like you guys have to do everything together and be one cohesive unit, or else it could it could go bad. Right, right. Yeah, there is so much repetition in practice that it really just becomes a consistent rhythm. You do all have to be on the same page, used to your different various tendencies. So if one guy's off by just a little bit, like if a snap on a, on a field goal is like a little bit low and inside, or maybe you don't give him the laces out and he has to turn the ball, that's what leads to these mistakes when you're not getting that consistent level of play from those guys. Talking right now with Joe DeLeon here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. He's uh, on the Believe Podcast Network, host of NF- FCS Football and also NFL Draft Prospects. I want to talk about the scouting combine that's right around the corner. Of course, that's a time of year that a lot of folks get excited for. I know there's a lot of moving and shaking that happens in Indy, even if it's not necessarily legal at the time, but I know there's a lot of conversations that are had. As far as you're concerned, who, is, who does the combine, who does it benefit the most? I mean, the combine benefits mostly these NFL teams getting a chance to see these, these players up close and personal. You're hearing a lot of agents that are, are speaking out negatively on the combine right now saying that the pro days are a much better environment for these players to perform well in because they're in places that they're familiar with. They have ample time to rest. They're not 
up and around uh, hundreds of guys and said it's a more close quarters type of event. It allows for them to properly prepare. And because of the conditions at the combine, it's waking up super early. You finish the day really, really late. You've got multiple things on each day. You have all these meetings. It's really not that beneficial for the players, which is why we're getting all this uproar. It's mostly for these NFL teams to get that up-close personal look. And then the big thing, too, is these interviews and getting to talk to these players and getting to know who they are personally, which is why sometimes they'll see like a, a player randomly fall really far down a draft board and get drafted way later than we thought because we don't know how those interviews might have gone. But this is really, really for these NFL teams. And that's why the combine numbers are usually maybe not as good as those pro day numbers that you see uh, a month or so later. Very interesting. I mean, because I've always known that the interview process is, is really important. I felt like it was really important for the player. But hearing you break it down, it makes a lot more sense for it to be important, even more important for, for the teams, you know, as they try to get to know these guys. Uh, as far as the quarterback class goes, that's one that the big headline is it's not a great deep quarterback class. Uh, are there any guys that kind of stand out to you that they could benefit from the combine? Do you think they may be able to raise their stock a little bit? Well, I think the one key player that's going to really stand out from the group is Malik Willis from Liberty, who he was the big winner of the quarterback group. He didn't really do anything that crazy at the senior bowl that helped increase his stock. He just looked better amongst the rest of the guys. The one thing too, that we're going to get from Malik Willis this week is that he's the best athlete of the group. He's got the biggest arm. He's going to probably have one of the best 40 times for the quarterbacks. He's going to test really, really well for his position, and it might be enough for him to solidify himself as that first quarterback taken for a team that wants to invest in a guy that has a lot of really, really good raw tools that you might be able to tap into in a couple of years. The rest of these guys, I mean, I think that testing-wise, they're going to be middle of the pack. You hope that they look good in these throwing drills and that they look consistent. They are throwing on air and in shorts, so how much can you really get away from that? But uh, Malik Wills, to me, I think is going to be the, the big name that everyone is going to be talking about at the end of this week. Talking right now with Joe DeLeon here on uh, Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got a question for you. Yeah, Joe, last year there were only five FCF, FCS players drafted in the NFL draft. What's the process of those FCS players being invited to the combine? Yeah, this year it's a lot more opportunities for these guys to get drafted because of what happened with the whole spring season where the FCS played in the spring and there was a very small handful of guys that actually decided to declare, and it was your Spencer Browns, your Trey Lances, your Ellison Smith, the guys that knew that they were going to get drafted. If you didn't know you were going to get drafted, you probably spoke to an agent that said, just go back and we'll see what happens with that extra year of, of eligibility that you were given. Uh, but the process for, for this year, you know, these guys getting invited, they get to play. Um, well, they played a spring season with a very short turnaround into the fall, which was very difficult for some of these players. But those that shined out and went to these various all-star events, uh, they took advantage of it. Guys like Christian Watson, I, I think, are going to get uh, a lot of recognition in this year's class. But it, it's tough to, to stand out with all the complications of having to play two football seasons in such a short period of time. You know, Joe, I wanted to ask you, what do you think uh, benefits the players more? Do you think the combine benefits them more or some of these all-star showcases like the Senior Bowl, like the Shriners Bowl, like the East-West? Well, it's the same game. But, I mean, there's, you know, all these different all-star showcases. Yeah, I think it depends on the player. Um, Obviously, we don't get to see underclassmen participate in these 
senior all-star event, Mm -hmm. when you have a more developed guy that has uh, maybe more of the ability to step in and play right away, I would argue that those all-star events are much more beneficial for those types of guys. But what you get for the combine, those that really make their money are the really, really athletic players that are going to put up really crazy uh, testing numbers that NFL teams can't ignore. So it kind of depends on the type of player because, you know, someone like Desmond Ritter or maybe like a Carson Strong, like if we're just talking about these quarterbacks, mm-hmm. like you might not get like a crazy testing number from them, but you, you got to see them play in game situations out of practice. But somebody like a really good example, Isaiah Weston, who's a Northern Iowa receiver, he's going to have really good testing numbers and people are going to be talking about him because of those testing numbers. So it just kind of depends on where they're coming from and, and maybe how far along you develop they are. I'm glad you brought up Carson Strong. He's a guy that we're very familiar with from our state in Nevada. Big kid, 6'4", 226. He's got a big, strong arm, kind of goes with his name. What are your thoughts on him? Where do you think he can kind of, you know, how, how much can he, I guess, gain in, in, in draft stock by, uh, by showing out at the Combine? Yeah, I really like Carson Strong, and I think that the major thing that he's going to benefit from the Combine is NFL teams getting a 100% clear look at his knee. There was some concern that he had some type of chronic degenerative issue with his knee where it was just going to be a nagging problem that could get worse and worse over time. It seems like that's not the case, and it's something that he's moved on from and recovered from. But we know that the medicals at the combine are important for a player like Carson who just needs to prove to these doctors, like, hey, my knee's good, and when they get a up-close look at it, that's really going to help him. He's also somebody that's going to need to do really well in these interviews. Um, he needs to prove himself a little bit more because you kind of hear that he's a bit of a laid-back guy and you don't want him to fall into that Josh Rosen-type category if he's right. too laid-back and seems like he's apathetic. But I, I think Carson's got a really good arm and he's, he's going to look really good in these throwing drills. Probably not going to do anything too crazy with testing, though. Yeah, Joe, so with the Combine coming up, can you give us maybe one or two players that you're interested in seeing so I can tell my friends and I sound like I know what <laughs> so I'm talking about? So you sound about. like you know what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is the guy that's under the radar. Unbelievable. I discovered him. <laughs> wow. But, hey, I mean, that's why you listen to the, the Combine, the pre-Combine coverage, is so you can drop some names on your friends. But right. I, got a, I got a couple guys that I think are going to be fun to pay attention to, two big guys. Daniel Floyle from Minnesota, who we know is close to 400 pounds. He's 6'8", 6'9". He's a massive dude, and mm-hmm. his numbers are going to be really weird for a guy that size. And then Jordan Davis from Georgia, he's like a 360-pound defensive tackle, and he might – I heard someone say like a 4'9", but I think that that's way too fast for him, maybe like a 5'1", wow. 5'2", somewhere in that range. But he's, he's a very good athlete for his size. But the, the one that is, I think, going to get a lot of buzz – is Leo Chennault, the linebacker from Wisconsin. There's a video from a couple years ago that he posted on his social media where he does over 40 reps of 225, and he's, like, just sitting in his, like, garage or, like, like a simple, like, gym when he was going into his freshman year. It was very early on in Wisconsin. So for a linebacker that's 260, the size that he is, he's probably going to have some stupid bench number that is – Maybe record-breaking, which would be really cool to see, um, but he's also going to do really well in the 40 for a player of his size, and I wouldn't be shocked if he had some other really crazy numbers. But Ch- Chanel is probably going to benefit the most 
uh, from people getting to see him in testing these drills. Talking all things combine right now with Joe DeLeon from uh, the Believe Podcast Network here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And uh, I'm glad you brought up Jordan Davis out of Georgia. He is a massive dude as well. He's a guy that a lot of uh, mock drafts have going to the Raiders at number 22 overall. Uh, what are your thoughts on him just individual as a player, as a, as a big, massive defensive tackle? Yeah, the, the thing that gets tricky with a player like Jordan Davis is that he's he's a space eater. And for a team that has a well-rounded, developed defensive line, that's something that you want to add in as like that remaining last piece to take on double teams and eat up as much space as possible in the interior to slow things down when teams try to run the football and maybe divert some attention away uh, so some other guys can make some big plays. But the thing with Davis is, do you, do you really want to spend a first-round draft pick on a guy that that's their primary role, or would you rather invest in one of these edge rushers where there's a really deep class of edge rushers this year that might get you a, a bit more production, they might have uh, a higher impact? Jordan Davis is a great player. I just don't know if he really makes a ton of sense being a, maybe like an early 20s type player, like a later in the the first round, early second round makes more sense just because of the position that he plays. Now that makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. Let's talk a couple of running backs real quick. Kenneth Walker to the third out of Michigan State. I like him a lot, but is he a first round running back in your opinion? I sadly don't really think that there are any first round running backs this year. And I think that the past couple of years, how badly teams have been bitten by over investing in running backs. I mean, you get some good production but like the last guy that i can think of that was drafted early in the first round uh that didn't pan out travis Etienne, he's got time to prove himself but he didn't even play it all this year because of an injury so would you rather invest in, a, in someone in the first round or just wait i think kenneth walker's talented uh and he's certainly at the top of this this running back class but if he's going to get selected i would bet just based on how teams are moving away from the running back position in the first round he's probably going to be uh, somewhere on day two Another guy I wanted to ask you about is a guy who I think is very talented, and I think he's going to be probably a day three guy, is Abram Smith out of Baylor. He's a running back, but he was a linebacker. Well, first he was a running back, then he was a linebacker, then he ended his Baylor career as a running back. But he, he's a downhill runner, man. He gets behind those pads and he goes. But what do you think uh, he could prove at the combine, and, and what do you think his, uh, his draft range could be? Yeah, I think that day three that you said is, is a really good spot for him. Uh, he, it's a bit odd, like you're talking about his background of being a former linebacker and, and not really playing running back his, his whole time at, at Baylor. Um, I, I think that that might limit him a little bit, and I think that there's some other guys that are going to be a lot more athletically gifted than a guy like him. Uh, so those players are probably going to outperform him. I mean, he's a decent running back, and he. I didn't really think he did a whole lot for me at the at the Senior Bowl. Okay. He did win an award for one of the best practice players at his position, which was voted on by the, the other guys that were participating. But, uh, I mean, he's a decent player, and I think that, that that day three indication that you said sounds about right. Nice, nice. And before we let you go, I got a couple text messages uh, from some listeners that are wanting me to ask you a couple <laughs> guys. Uh, Christian Watson, uh, what are your thoughts on Christian Watson and then uh, Jalen Catalan, the strong safety out of Arkansas? Do you, got, do you have any thoughts on those two guys? Well, I definitely have thoughts on, on Christian Watson. And w- Watson, covering the FCS, and I've known who he was since the beginning of the year, and I knew that he was a really, really good athlete. Got to see him at the Senior Bowl. And he is somebody who is going to test really, really well. 
for his size. Six foot four, like two ten. He's going to run in the four fours. Some people think he's going to run faster than that, but I think that's um, a little bit aggressive for me. But he's probably going to jump really well. He's going to look really good in these route running drills. He's a tall, long, fast receiver who is climbing up draft boards. Probably not going to sneak his way into the first round, but uh, certainly good enough to be drafted pretty highly on day two because of those athletic traits. And Catalan, admittedly, I, I, I don't have a, a, a ton of info on him, but I just know that those, those defensive players from Arkansas that are in this year's class, they're very, very well coached, and that's kind of the resounding feeling from, uh, uh, from those Arkansas guys is that you're going to get somebody that's passionate about the game and very, very well coached from, from what they've done this past year. There it is right there. That's how the Salmon Ash text line works right there. Great stuff, Joe. Great, fantastic <laughs> stuff. As a matter of fact, Joe DeLeon, host of the Believe Podcast Network, FCS Football and NFL Draft Prospects. Uh, anything coming out that anyone should be on the lookout for, Joe? Uh, we've got a lot of great draft coverage happening uh, for the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. So we've got good interviews coming up as well. Me and my co-host, Brian Roberts, do our, our conversations weekly. So if anyone wants to check it out, make sure you do at, at NFL Prospects Pod on Twitter. There it is. And, hey, great stuff. As I mentioned, Joe, uh, we appreciate your time this afternoon. As it gets a little bit closer and closer to the draft, well, we'd like, love to have you on the show again. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Good stuff right there. Great way to start things off. Joe DeLeon right there, host of the Believe Podcast Network. Again, FCS football, NFL draft prospects. You got to get the feel of all things draft. You heard some combine conversation there as well. That's a great way to get things started. Coming up next, Brian DiArdo from CBSSports.com. We'll talk Cliff Branch. We'll talk John Madden and the impact that they had on the NFL. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Already had a pretty good conversation about the NFL draft and the scouting combine. Just saw one text here on the Salmon Ash text line about Kyler Gordon, the cornerback from Washington. We didn't get to ask that question. We'll make sure we do it tomorrow as we will have another guest coming up at 2.30 tomorrow afternoon to talk all things NFL draft. But right now on the phone lines, we're pleased to have Brian Dorado from CBS Sports. Sports.com here to talk about Cliff Branch and John Madden and the fact that they're well Cliff Branch was announced to go into the Hall of Fame uh, the Thursday of the Super Bowl and Brian we do appreciate your time this afternoon here on Unnecessary Roughness and that makes seven Hall of Fame offensive players from that 74 John Madden uh, team and that's something I learned in the piece that you had on CBSSports.com when you think about that how unbelievable is that and that that's an offense that's an actual record now. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the broadcast. And, yeah, it, it, it's pretty remarkable. It's kind of ironic because I did a podcast uh, with somebody this last summer, and I had to rank the Super Bowl champions, and I put the Raiders of, of the 76 team uh, pretty high up. And, and the question posed to me was, well, they were, pretty, they were a team that really didn't have a lot of star power, right? I kind of was puzzled, you know, because obviously they had a lot of star power in the fact that they had seven Hall of Famers just on the offensive side of the ball, not to mention – you know, Ted Hendricks and Jack Tatum and, and the old man Willie and all the guys they had on the defensive side of the ball. But, but yeah, I mean, that was really a testament to the eye of, of Al Davis and his ability to scout and find talent. And then John Madden, his ability to coach uh, that talent. The irony is that team, you know, did not win the Super Bowl. That was the last year of Jim Otto's career, and that was the first year of Dave's 
Packers' career. So for one year and one year only, the 70, 74 Raiders had seven Hall of Famers eclipsing the record set by the 61 Packers. Yeah, that was pretty unbelievable. As I was reading your piece, I was just thinking, like, man, he, he he's not wrong, you know? I mean, and that's, uh, again, a record, as you said, uh, topping the Packers. So uh, you mentioned Coach Madden. What did that mean and show about the way that he was able to relate to his players and get the most out of his players, having that many Hall of Famers and then even guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame now but were great players as well? Right, and I, and I think that's the thing when you, when you watch all the pieces about John Madden. And one of my favorite ones is the America's Game, the NFL Films did about that team, the 76 team in 06. And Madden, you know, gave the offense the option to call the plays. And, and they weren't alone. The Steelers did that as well. In the late 60s, you know, Joe Namath in Super Bowl three, the upset over the Colts, he called But John Madden said he loved that because he gave the players the accountability. You know, they're taking ownership of what happens when, lose, or draw. And, you know, the funny thing is, even a Mr. Ken Stabler has, has said, he sometimes would read the game film by light of the jukebox at night. You know, he's certainly <laughs> one that liked the party. But when the lights were on and when it was time to play, he called great games and just knew the right place to call at the right time. You look at that 76 team, only had one loss. And a lot of that was the ability of their offense to call the right place at the right time. That Super Bowl he played the Vikings like a fiddle, 12 of 19 passing, one touchdown to Casper, and then several completions to Blitnikoff to set up the other scores. And, I mean, yeah, it just, just the ability of that offense, number one in scoring in 74 and then 76, what they were able to do to the Vikings in that Super Bowl and the Steelers in the, the, the championship game, certainly one of the greatest offenses of all time, and John Madden had a huge hand in that. Talking right now with Brian DiArdo from CBSSports.com here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And talking about Cliff Branch and just speed kills, we know that saying. We know that it's true. We see what it's done to the game today. But as far as just a game changer, uh, when you think of Cliff Branch, what, what comes to your mind? Here's what comes to my mind. So I grew up with, with family that was from Pittsburgh. My grandfather actually had season tickets and was there for the Immaculate Reception. Mm. So growing up, when we would watch the old NFL films, the one person my dad always said that, that you know, and I said, hey, you know, who, you know, who feared you as a Steelers fan? He said, Cliff Branch. Cliff Branch and Ken Stabler. That connection was, was just lethal. And, and Mel Blunt has said before Branch got in the Hall of Fame, there's one receiver that he feared back then. It, it wasn't Stanley Morgan. It wasn't Drew Pearson. It wasn't, you know, Billy White Shoes Johnson. It was Cliff Branch. And when you look at him, I mean, from 74 to 77, was really his apex when his speed was just it just literally killed defenders. Thirteen touchdowns and seven in just fourteen games. I mean that's pretty astonishing. Right. Twelve and seventy six, fourteen games. But I think the other thing too, along with him, what he's able to do is a deep threat. What he's able to do in, in big stages. His longevity I don't think is talked about enough. I mean, in Super Bowl eighteen as a thirty five year old, he is bludgeoning Washington's very talented defensive back, six catches, ninety four yards, a touchdown 50-yard bond that really kind of opened things up for the Raiders in that game. One of the few members of that team that was a part of all three championships. So, you know, when you look at the Hall of Fame resume, you know, did a guy perform big in big moments? Check. Did he have prolific numbers? Check. Was he an all-pro pro pro bowler? Check. Did he have longevity? He clipped branch all those boxes. And, you know, I, I, I think when you look at the greatest players of that era, you look at the receiver position, you know, Drew Pearson, Swan Stallworth, all have their arguments, but I think the most complete resume among all those guys is Cliff Branch. With that being said, and, and I agree with you 100%, but with that being said, why did it take so long for him to get into the Hall of Fame? 
there's a Raider bias. Obviously, there's there's always been something going on with the NFL <laughs> with <laughs> Al Davis and that organization. You know, that's just what I believe. Uh, and I also think too that that it is a numbers game. Right. And I I think that uh, unfortunately the quarterback and re- receiver uh, position are the ones that have been most affected by the extended seasons and the changes in the passing game and the rules changes and all those things. I mean, I wrote about it in a piece I wrote today. I mean, do you remember when 3,000 yards was the barometer for a good quarterback season? Right. Now, right. Yep. <laughs> two dozen quarterbacks this year threw for 3,000 yards. Two dozen. Wow. You know, that's 24 out of the 32 starting quarterbacks. I think 10 threw for 4,000, which I remember reading the back of a football card in the 90s that Drew Bledsoe had 4,000. It blew my mind. You know, two guys had 5,000 this year. So I just think that the numbers have changed so much. I mean, you're seeing now, Torrey Holt can't get into the Hall of Fame yet. Right. The numbers that he had. So I just think that the more years that went away from it, I just think that it got harder and harder for guys in that era to get in. Not to mention, I'm not sure if Cliff French really played the marketing game and was on TV. I know he did a lot of local things with the Raiders. But I don't know if he was really out there to help case. I don't think it's a secret that the more you're out in the media, the easier it is for you to get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's true. That's a true story. We talk about that almost every week in the barbershop, that you got to be out there politicking, right? It's got to be, that's part of it. I mean, unfortunately it shouldn't be, but it is part of it. Now, as far as Coach Madden goes, and, and we could talk about Coach Madden, we could talk about the broadcaster, John Madden, we could talk about the Madden video game. How much has the name John Madden and who he was in all those elements changed the game of the NFL and how people watch it and, and kind of perceive it? I don't think it's I don't I think it's unfathomable, honestly. You know, I, I ESPN did a great article on his 80, 85th birthday recently. You know, right before he passed, and just so many things that I didn't even know that he helped uh, institute. The yellow lines to signal when the first down should be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, his video game, and I, I think honestly, more than anything, is I think you know you, you're you're obviously used for a living. I do this for a living in the media. A lot of times, us we take this too seriously, and I think that Madden showed you can explain something, you can be at the top of your game in your profession, but you can also show that you can have fun. The Turducken, his obsession with Nate Newton, his obsession with Brett Favre, and just the fact that I, and I think the other thing too. I think he understood the moment better than anybody. And I think a great example of that is when, when the Niners finally beat the Cowboys in the 94 championship game and Steve Young was running around and Madden just kind of took, took control of the scene and just said, like, you know, he's done it, Steve Young's done it, he's the man, they know it, we all know it. And I just think that uh, just the ability to have fun with it, to share his – he never tried to hide, I think, his joy of what he did for a living, his joy of football. And I think it's – for what we do in the media, and for what even what Peyton Manning said in his Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony. It's our job as former players, media members, whatnot, to share our love of the game, our passion for the game, and hopefully that rubs off on the next generation so that 100 years from now, the game of football is still played and it's still a popular sport. Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it, and he did have a lot of fun, and that is what it's all about. I mean, we're not we're not up here having open heart surgery. I mean, we're just uh, we're we're co- exactly exactly <laughs> we're covering sports and we're having a good time uh, while we do it. We're talking it right now with Brian Diardo from CBSSports.com here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Now, I did want to ask you because you've been covering the NFL for a very long time. Wanted to ask you about a couple current situations that are going on. Uh, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers puts out some cryptic tweets and Instagrams last night and then says, "Hey, nothing to announce today." Uh, what's your end-all, be-all when it comes to Aaron Rodgers? I'm going to steal this from a coworker because we were chatting when this was on today with the Pat McAfee. I'm not going to say anything. 
I think we can whittle it down. To, I think you can take away one thing. And I think that he's either going to stay in Green Bay or he's going to retire. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to go somewhere else. I think that that, just based on everything he's saying and just kind of the little things he's throwing out there, you know, like the conversations with the Green Bay this offseason have been better than any other offseason. And the picture with Cobb and Devontae Adams, I, I just think that he's either going to hang it up going to uh, – go back and I think tomorrow when I think the Packers brass is expected to speak to the media tomorrow I think when they do we're going to have our answer finally I'll be surprised if tomorrow passes and we don't have a definitive answer now if it doesn't pass then we're for sure going to get one before March 16th which is the start of the new league year but yeah I would believe that he's either going to stay or he's going to retire I'm leaning towards him staying and maybe giving it uh, one more shot but that also depends on if they keep Devontae Adams I think a package deal he won't go back to Green Bay if Devontae Adams isn't there. Right, for sure. Yeah, Brian, I see that taking it back to Coach Man, you have a, quite a few tweets about the Madden video game. So I've <laughs> got to ask you, rate your skills. How good are you at Madden? Ooh. All right, I'm going to be very honest with you guys, and I didn't even know this. I have two games, and I was like playing 500 ball. I realized I was on all-pro level. So I'm a 500 all-pro player. <laughs> when I'm playing on the pro level, I'm pretty good. I'm just going to say, I can still lose. And I will also say one other thing. I call my own plays. Like, I'm my offensive coordinator when, uh, when I have the ball, but I do the coaching suggestions every single time when I'm on defense. Unless it's not working, and then I just go to a 3-4 and I'll do some blitzing. Uh, but I'll tell you what, the Chargers are my favorite game, or my favorite team in the new game. The Bengals are coming, though, because with Chase and Higgins and Boyd, it's a lot of fun to throw to those receivers. But as we saw in the Super Bowl, the line can use some work, and Madden, it's no exception. You know, I think that that's awesome because me and you, Brian, we could definitely work together. I was always the guy that would be like, hey, let me get on the sticks when you're on defense. I'll call, I'll call the defense. You play <laughs> offense. I don't need to score, but I want to stop the other team. So if you're on offense and you're scoring, I got your back. I can be your defensive coordinator. We got something cooking here. That works for me. Hey, I can use any all the help <laughs> as possible on defense. But, you know, and My offense, like I said, I like to run the ball. I like to chew up the clock. Use the entire first down. And are you guys five minute guys or six minute quarter guys? Oh no, you got to go the full length. You got to go. No, I'm six minutes. Six you know, minutes. Yeah, I'm six minutes. Take the Excel clock off and let's just play it like a natural. I want to go the whole game. I mean, I want to as long as we can go. I want to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't like when I get into these five minute games and the, the other team has the ball for a you know quarter and a half. <laughs> I, I don't like that. So I'm with you guys on that one for sure. There it is. Well, hey, great stuff, Brian. We do appreciate you. What you got coming out on CBSSports.com that we should be on the lookout for? You know what? That's, that's nice you guys for asking. I'm actually cooking up something right now uh, because all this Matt Stafford Hall of Fame stuff, we actually decided to write to rank every quarterback that is already in the Hall of Fame. I think there's 27 or 28 of them, and I've got Kenny Stabler in the top half. Okay. Half. Uh, and I've got Bradshaw with my steel bias pretty high up there. It might ruffle some feathers. So that's what I've got cooking uh, now. And as you guys know, you know, we're trying to find more and more creative angles as we're starting to hit some of our dry spells in the offseason. But again, as you guys know, it doesn't stay dry for very often. Right. It seems like almost every day. The minute you say it's getting dry, something happens. So. You know, but in the meantime, we'll do these rankings and some other articles as well. There you go. Well, I'll tell you right now, my my dad is a big-time Steeler fan, so I won't hold that against you. Uh, I don't hold it against him. So, uh, yeah, you get a pass in my house because my dad is a big Steeler fan. So there you go. <laughs> Good deal. Well, I think the other thing, too, you you got to look at with quarterbacks and like receivers as we talked about. You can't just look at stats. That's right. One thing I'm trying to do with this article 
educate readers that you really the game has changed so much. You'd be surprised how many quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame have more career interceptions than touchdowns. It's it's my including George Blanda, who he was kicked and, and played for the Raiders. So pretty interesting stuff. There you go. Well, hey, thank you so much, Brian, for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Take care. Talk to you soon. All right, there he goes, Brian Diardo, com on Twitter, at Brian Diardo. Good stuff right there. And, yeah, I can't get mad. Uh, my dad's a Steeler fan. And uh, I'll tell you right now, though, I know a lot of Raider fans hate the Steelers, but it's one of those things. The organizations are kind of – kind of similar in their in their ways of operating they're actually very similar in their ways of operating of course they've had some massive games against each other and so uh it's it's always love i've actually ran into uh some former Steeler players when we're at the super bowl events and uh they're always really cool and very respectful respectable towards uh raider nation but you know how it goes it's 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 one or the other demon it can't be both as you very well know so shout out to brian for uh, joining us there at 2 30 244 is the time coming up next we'll close out hour number one this is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Just got about 10 minutes left in hour number one. We'll kick off hour number two with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. We've been going fast and furious on this Tuesday. Want to throw out a question. I know there hasn't been a lot of time for open lines, but you can chime in at any time on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Want to throw this out there because my guy Peter Bukowski, host of the Locked On Packers, he actually hit me with this on Sunday, just a text message out of nowhere. And he asked me about a trade and asked me to to respond to a trade proposal for Devontae Adams. And then he also gave me one for Aaron Rodgers. So instead of breaking it down and telling you what his trade proposal was, I, I will say I turned it down. I told him that we'd have to renegotiate. I wasn't going to give up as much as he wanted for a Devontae Adams. But assuming as franchise tag has is opened up today, you can start with franchise tagging your, your players. I do believe Devontae Adams will be franchise tagged by the Green Bay Packers, which means he can still negotiate with other teams and other teams could still make a move for them. They just have to trade for them. So with that being said, I'd love to hear from you. we got a couple minutes. You want to chime in at 702-365-9200. We'd love to hear from you. What would you be willing to trade for Devonte Adams? Assuming he's franchise tagged by green Bay, what would you give up? I think, and this is just my personal feeling, but you can think differently. I think it's at least a one. You got to give up at least a one. That's normally what it's set up for, but I have seen other teams. And I think the chiefs did it a couple years ago. I've seen other teams come up and give less than a one. Just make sure that they extend the contract. And what it is, is it's a placeholder, and then teams can negotiate their own, their own compensation. It, it says it's a one off top, but it doesn't necessarily always have to be. So I'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation, what you think. 702-365-9200 and the Salmon Ash text line 69187. What would you give up for Devontae Adams in a trade? He's not going to just walk out of Green Bay as a free agent. So I don't know if you have anything off the top of your head, Demond, but uh, is there any thoughts on what you'd give up for, for Devontae? A first and a third. A first and a third. Okay. And I draw the line that maybe if it, if I could get away with a first, a third, and a fifth, and a seventh, you know, like maybe in some other drafts, maybe, but a first and a third that's like, hey, both take it in twenty twenty two. Yeah, uh, they can be in the same draft. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, that's 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 clean and 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 right to the point. I like that. Uh, what what uh, Peter had suggested to me was uh twenty twenty two first round pick. Um, did he say a first round twenty twenty three pick as well? Yeah, I think he said. No, oh, dang, I forget what he said now. 
I do. I, I can't remember, but he did say something, and I'll get to it. I'll find it. We'll, we'll go to the phone lines first, and then I'll find what Peter's uh, suggestion was to me for Devontae Adams. But uh, 702-365-9200, who do we have up? Juan the Smasher. Juan the Smasher. What's on your mind, man? What would you give up for Devontae Adams? What's up, Q? What's up, brother? I will give up, I will give up a first-rounder and a second-rounder uh, this year's and next year's for Adams. I've been, I've been uh, pounding the table for this guy. This okay. Exactly. Yeah, this is the guy that exactly what we need to beat those Chiefs. Okay, I like it. I like it. Uh, a first this year, you said, go back to him real quick. A first this year and a second next year? Yes, sir. Why not? You know, take a chance. Okay. You know, Adam, Adam is the guy we need because I'm sick, of, I'm sick of these Chiefs, man, and I'm sick of Andy Reid and all these guys. Adams is what we need, bro. All right. I like it. Hey, thank you for the call. I do appreciate you. 702-365-9200. Let's go back out to the phone lines. Who we got? Border Jumper Raider. What's up, Border Jumper Raider? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, kids? Motor Jumper Raider. What's up, brother? All right. So this is my take on it. Uh, before we met, up to 10 years ago, 24 years before that, I lived in New England. So I'm kind of, you know, it's uh, football's also a regional thing, and you follow the other teams, even though your love is for the Raiders. And my take is, forget uh, Devontae Adams, because um, Josh McDaniels, he takes average receivers, and he makes them above average. Okay. That's my take on it. I like it. Hey, I like it, man. And that's why I said you you could say no to the trade altogether. I'm okay with that. That's good stuff right there. Hey, he said Josh McDaniels could take an average receiver and turn him into a above average. And look, the thing about it is New England operated for very long without a big-time number one wide receiver. That's truth. That's facts right there. So I understand exactly what you're coming from. Me personally, I want the number one guy. I think that you should go all in and go and get that number one stud. That That's just me. You know, hey, Derek Carr wants his guy. Go get his guy. Go get his guy. And also those Patriot teams, they did have a tight end who was basically functioning as a number one wide receiver. And they had a pretty good quarterback. Exactly. <laughs> so it's all it's it's always it's got to have that context. Right. But I, hey, I understand what he's coming from. And, and I wanted to update you real quick. Peter Bukowski, he told me to get Devontae Adams, the Raiders would have to give up a 2022 first round pick, which obviously is number 22 overall. And he also wanted Trayvon Merrick. And then you, and then the Raiders get Devonte. Obviously, it's a tag and trade, so you'd have to pay. Uh, you'd have to pay Devonte. Demond's shaking his head. You say no. I'm hanging up. Really? Yep. Tra- because of Trayvon Merrick? Yes. I, me yeah, that's basically to me, that's saying two. That's two first rounders. He was a second rounder, though. Oh, you're right. But he, he was had a second round. He had pick. that production. Did he? He was. Good. He was good to me. <laughs> he, was, he was good. He I was thought good. he was a first rounder because I is forgot he untouchable. About him. Good? Is he untouchable? Good? Not untouchable, but okay. Oh come on, man! You're asking for too like, much. No, I like Trey a lot. I do. I think that I was excited that the Raiders got Trey. But if it comes down to Trey or Devontae Adams, I think I'm going to roll with with Trey all day. I mean, that's just me. But you know, I get it, and you know, and. and uh, I said no to the first and Trey. I think I said a se- what I my response was a second and Trey. I'd give up. Okay, see that's why I'm like the first and Trey. I'm like, yeah. nah, you're asking for too right, much. Right, right, right. Yeah, I didn't. I did negotiate. I did negotiate a little bit. And he hasn't given me a response yet to that negotiation. But let's hit the phone lines one more time. Seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Who's up next? Fargo Raider. Fargo, welcome to the show. Hey, Kim, Mom, thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm gonna say a first. I could I could deal with losing a first. We with those more often than not anyway. Right, and I would say, but along with that, we pick up a, a Watson or a Burks in, if, or somebody of that caliber in the second, so that he can learn off of Adams for the years that he has left in Vegas. 
and then we can continue to have those standout receivers. Thank you guys for taking my call. You have a good day. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go anywhere, hold on, hold on. Uh, run, run that back again. You, 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 got, you hit me with a lot at the same time. I was trying to write it down. All right, so I'm okay with trading away the first pick, number 22 okay. for Adam. Okay. And then we pick up his contract. You know, that gives them relief. I think that's plenty of compensation for Green Bay. Okay. For one player who's on the back end of his of his career. And then pick up a, with the 56th pick, pick up a wide receiver. Like, I think Watson could probably drop to the second round. And if he's there for us, I don't see why we wouldn't take him. And if he could learn the skill set that Adams has, he might not ever be Adams. But he'll have some of those skills and some of that inside knowledge. And we can continue to have guys that will stand out for us when we need them to. Okay. I like it. Hey, good stuff, man. Great way to break it down. Great way to bring another perspective to it. I definitely uh, appreciate that. We'll get back to some more of this conversation. Again, it's a fun time of year because this is the kind of conversations we have. But right now, before we take a break, I want to find caller number 9, 702-365-9200. I want to get you hooked up with a two-foot sub from Porter Subs. Plus, I'm going to get you in to win two tickets to uh, the ACMs, the uh, American Country Academy Country Music Awards, excuse me, here in Las Vegas. Caller number 9 is what I'm looking for right now, 702 365 9200 going to get you those porta subs plus get you in to win those tickets to the ACM. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.